0: Today's reading is Luke 12, verses 13 to 21. And that's on page 1044 in the Church Bibles. The parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God.
1: Thanks, Katie. Um, would you please keep your Bible over, open at page 1044 so you can follow along? And um, Darren's already prayed, so we will crack on trusting that the Lord will help us. Um, I'm aware, you know, none of us will need reminding that at the moment there's just so much about money on our minds and in the news. It feels like every day you, uh, you log onto the BBC webpage and there's some more bad news about what we're heading into in the cost of living crisis. Maybe we're feeling it personally. Um, there's a spectrum, but none of us will be unaffected. And so it feels fitting that as we finish this evening series in Luke, we come to Jesus' teaching on money and possessions. Now, you'll see on the screen that um, we've titled this, I hope, Cautioned by Jesus. So this is a warning with a sharp edge, but all of Jesus' words are good for us, and we trust these will be too. There are two headlines, and here's the first. Guard against greed. Jesus says, guard against greed. See that there in verse 15. Take a look down at verse 15. Then Jesus said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. We we guard ourselves against uh, all sorts of things, don't we? We wash our hands and get vaccinations to guard ourselves against falling ill. We guard ourselves against email scams with spam filters and having our kind of wits about us so we're not conned out of our savings. We wear bike helmets when we cycle. We look for traffic before we step into the road because we want to avoid serious injury. Well, Jesus says we need to have greed on the list of things we guard ourselves against. In fact, all kinds of greed. He wants us to see greed as very dangerous and to protect us From it. Now we might think, surely greed isn't as dangerous as all that, as dangerous as falling off your bike without a helmet on or stepping into traffic. Besides, I'm not really a greedy person anyway. I don't need to guard against greed. But Jesus highlights for us two things about greed that mean we need to be on our guard against it. First, Jesus highlights The subtlety of greed. Greed can be very subtle. A bit like this picture of a park. Lovely, isn't it? Well, actually, there's something hiding in this picture. Uh, Believe it or not, there's a dog hidden somewhere. And I wonder can you spot him? Easy to miss, but can anyone spot the dog? Anyone at all? It's tricky. Well, let's reveal him. Here he is. (laughs) Easy to miss, but he's there lurking, even though you might not see him. In fact, here he is, a little bit more zoomed in. A pug (laughs) that uh, some photographer has captured at a perfect (laughs) angle. So that uh, he is there, but you'd easily miss him. Well, why am I showing us photos of a pug in a park? Well, when we think of greed, it tends to look very obvious. You know, we tend to picture the Scrooge, the miser who's hoarding his fortune and refusing to give to the poor. Or we picture the multimillionaire who's got more money than they know what to do with, but they keep buying more Ferraris and more swimming pools. You know, we kind of picture that big, obvious greed. Uh, One such millionaire was once asked, how much money is enough? And he replied, just a little bit more. That's interesting, isn't it? We tend to picture big, obvious greed. But Jesus shows us greed can be much more subtle than that. It's like it's hiding in the picture, but you wouldn't know it. See, Jesus' warning against greed, it comes as a response to someone's reasonable request. Jesus has drawn a huge crowd Many thousands, Luke tells us. And verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Seems very reasonable, doesn't it? Jesus, my brother has taken more of the inheritance than he should. Tell him to give me my fair share. What's wrong with that? But Jesus' response isn't what we expect. Verse 14, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? I'm not getting involved in your inheritance dispute. Instead, this man, who hopes Jesus would help him with his finances, ends up getting a warning along with the rest of the crowd. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What's going on? Well, it must be that behind this man's reasonable sounding request, Jesus sees what's really behind it greed, a desire for gain. You'd easily miss it, like the dog in the photo. But Jesus gets out a yellow highlighter and circles what's hiding subtle. Greed. It actually fits with the passage we looked at last week. Look back at verse 1 of chapter 12, would you? With the same crowd, Jesus warns them be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Uh, stay with me here. Hypocrisy is wearing a mask before others, uh, being one person with them and being something else secretly in reality. A mismatch between outside and inside. And you might wonder why Jesus changes the subject from hypocrisy to greed. But do we see he hasn't changed the subject at all? He's still warning about this mismatch. This man's request, it looks fine on the outside, but inside is greed. In fact, if you flick back a page to chapter 11, verse 39, you'll see Jesus blasting the Pharisees for just this kind of hypocrisy. He criticizes them for many things, but first on his list, verse 39, then the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness looking good on the outside, but Jesus' x-ray vision sees into the heart, and what does he see there? Greed, which raises the question, what would Jesus see if he looked into our hearts, or more exactly, what does Jesus see when he looks into our hearts? Pastor Tim Keller once said that in all his decades of pastoral ministry, people have come to him and confessed basically anything you could imagine. But not one person has come to him and said, I'm struggling with greed. Isn't that interesting? It's crazy, considering Jesus teaches more about money than he teaches about sex or about heaven and hell. Jesus thinks greed is something we'll struggle with. It's crazy considering greed is everywhere in our culture. Every advert is trying to convince us life does consist in an abundance of possessions. So you need this. Store it up for yourself. It would be amazing if we've resisted absorbing any of that. See, most of our greed, and I speak for myself, probably flies under the radar, hidden, Probably this man didn't even think he was motivated by greed. He probably thought he was driven by justice. and just ought to get my fair share, what I deserve. But Jesus sees what's really going on. And it makes you wonder what's going on when we complain our employer didn't raise our pay as much as they should have, or that our landlord is stiffing us out of our cash unfairly or that we're having to pay the government too much tax, or we decide not to increase our giving because we need to save up, or we feel just a little bit hard done by when the person next to us has a little bit more than we do. Now, all those feelings could be fair, but I think Jesus would have us look closer at the picture and ask ourselves, is there any greed hiding in our hearts? Don't get me wrong, concerns about money are real concerns, like being squeezed out of an inheritance, for example. But Jesus wanted to help this man focus on his real problem, not his finances, but his greed. We might need that help too. And if so, Jesus helps us with a story about the foolishness of greed. And that's the second thing we're going to think about. It's a story about someone who thinks life consists an abundance of possessions and they succeed like very few others do so imagine a man who is extremely wealthy he lives in a palace he dines on the finest foods in the best restaurants when he goes to see his team play he's always in the best seat in the stadium because he owns it and he's never without his beautiful celebrity girlfriend And all his fans say to him, you're so wise, tell us your secrets. And he does, in his best-selling book, 10 Steps to Success, Get the Life You Wish You Had. And one day, an investment pays off big time. And he looks at his accounts and thinks to himself, I'm set for life, no need to work again. And he sets about inviting all his pals to come celebrate with him, and that night he lies in bed, mentally sketching out his retirement plans, a holiday here, a cruise there, when suddenly he feels a pain in his chest, and he reaches for the phone to call his private physician, but it's too late. And at his funeral, the speeches wax lyrical about what a wise man he was to do so well There's a heap of cards mourning his passing uh, and praising his achievements. But in the heap is one small card with just one word written on it. Fool, and it's signed, God. That's God's verdict on this rich man's life. Why is that? What makes this man such a fool? You know, there's no hint in Jesus' story that he got rich through evil stuff by being a gangster or drug dealer. So what made him so foolish? Well, Jesus isn't criticizing his money itself. The Bible's clear that money is a good gift from God. Christians can be rich. Jesus isn't criticizing saving up. Proverbs says that it's wise to store up things in times of plenty for times of needs. Nor is Jesus criticizing enjoying yourself, enjoying God's good gifts, say, enjoying retirement. Although this is, I think, the one time the Bible happens to mention retirement, which is thought-provoking. Now, what made this man a fool was that he stored up things for himself while ignoring God That's how Jesus sums things up in verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Again, it's the same idea as last week's passage. Remember, what's the solution to hypocrisy? To fear God, Jesus says. To remember, God always sees my inside. It's his judgment that matters. The foolishness of hypocrisy is that I ignore God instead of acknowledging him. And it's the same with greed. The rich man is a fool because he ignored God, lived his life without God in a picture. And in the end, he's pronounced a fool because Jesus Shows how all his riches were a gift from God. See that in verse 16? The man didn't generate his riches himself, it's the ground that yielded him abundance. But no mention of him thanking God, even once. Instead, his focus is all on himself. Did you notice that in Jesus' parable? It's all I, my, mine. 10 times in our English versions, 12 in the original. He talks to himself. He even decides what he's going to say to himself in the future when he talks to himself. His focus is so inward, on himself, not on gold. And his money, it gives him a false sense of security, even arrogance as he plans confidently what his retirement will look like. But money is no defense against death. That word, his life, is demanded from him. That's a financial term. It's the language of a debt being called in. See, this man owes his life to God, and money can't pay that debt. When God calls us to account... Our money counts for nothing. Now, you might be feeling like I'm being very morbid tonight, and I realize I am. But the fact is that our funerals are inevitable. The probability is one in one. And yet most people don't think about death. You know, when an inheritance is left and there's a dispute, what do people do? They squabble over the money and pay no thought to the fact that someone has just died and they're going to die too. What am I going to do about that? A friend of mine was taking his first funeral a few weeks ago and he thought to himself, I'm going to gently, compassionately try to speak in a way that will help people realize this person has died and we're all going to die. We need to do something about that. And yet on the way out, people just shook his hand and said, what a lovely sermon. We don't think about our deaths. Most people live life like this life is all there is, with no God in the picture. But God will require our lives of us and pronounce a verdict. How have we spent the life he gave us? Have we spent it wisely in relationship with him? Or have we spent it foolishly centered on ourselves and ignoring him maybe in a long time but none of us knows how this week will go so let's hear jesus warning watch out be on guard against all kinds of greed life does not consist in an abundance of possessions if we're rich and by historical standards, many of us are, then we need to see the warning. It's possible to be rich and a fool in the end. Maybe we're not rich. Maybe we read Jesus' parable and we think, this doesn't apply to me. I'm nothing like this man in the story. But remember, that's not who Jesus is warning. He's warning a man complaining about his inheritance who is most likely poor, and if he's not, most people in the crowd are. You know, today they'd be worrying about their fuel bills going up and how to afford school uniforms. And Jesus says, be on your guard. You might have money worries, but don't be a fool. Watch out for greed. Well, it's good if at this point we're wondering, what do we do about greed? If this is foolish... What's the wise alternative? Well, that takes us back to verse 21. Jesus urges us, instead of storing things up for ourselves, be rich towards gold. Which I realize is quite a kind of weird phrase. It's the only time it comes up in the Bible. So what does Jesus mean? Well, just as it's foolish... To handle our money and possessions in a way that ignores God, it is wise to handle our money and possessions in a way that acknowledges God, fears Him, to do it in a way that is directed towards Him, rather than being rich towards ourselves. Spelling out what that looks like, well, it would be great to have longer. Um, It feels so relevant, doesn't it, this stuff? with what we're facing at the moment. But we're short on time, and so my suggestion would be that if you have time tonight or this week, read what Jesus says next. Because if you glance down at verse 22, then you'll see that Jesus continues the thought. Then he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, based on what I've just said, therefore. So be good to read what comes next and think about it. I'm just going to quickly highlight three things, what it looks like to be rich towards God. One, being rich towards God means trusting our Father to provide for us instead of anxiously storing things up. Look at what Jesus says in verse 22. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Number two, being rich towards God means having a heart set on God's kingdom, not curved in on myself. Verse 29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Number three, being rich towards God means giving to the needy, not selfishly hoarding. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. The old Christian Augustine comments on this passage that the rich man didn't realize that the bellies of the poor were much better storehouses than his barns. Well, we've just sketched out what it means to be rich towards God. As we finish, some of us will have heard of a kind of distortion of the Christian faith, called the Prosperity Gospel. It was basically this idea that if you follow Jesus, he'll make you rich. And I hope that many of us have a sense to see through that, that it's a con. It's not what Jesus promises. But be that as it may, as we head into this winter, well, autumn and winter, we might feel the attraction of it nonetheless. Wouldn't it be good news if Jesus did make us rich? But the fact is, the real good news is much better than that. Jesus doesn't save us to make us rich. Jesus saves us from foolish greed and being curved in on ourselves to have treasure forever with him. You know, we might fall on hard times in the next few months. But if we have Jesus, we have the only treasure that will last. That is great news for us as we head into What's coming. And for the person who isn't yet following Christ, I've just been wondering this week if the man had understood these things, what would he have requested of Jesus? Well, I wonder if he would have requested something like this Jesus, tell my brother I'm happy for him to have this inheritance that'll run out. Instead, would you please give me an inheritance? that'll never perish, spoil, or fade. And please free me from selfish greed to be rich towards gold. Well, let's pray on those lines now. Let's pray. Hmm. Father God, thank you for the Lord Jesus who loves us enough to say hard things And guard us against the things that will really hurt us. Please, steer us away from greed. And please, instead, steer us towards being rich towards you. Help us, please, Lord, to be aware of where we're subtly in danger of being foolish. And please help us to be really joyful in the riches we have in Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.